0: Welcome to Adventures and Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. Hey,
1: James, how was your week in evaluation?
0: My week in evaluation was fantastic, Kylie. Uh, yeah. It's nice to uh, chat with you again. It sounds like we've decided to keep the name uh, yeah. Adventures and Evaluation Podcast. Uh, we've uh, created an email, Adventures and Evaluation Podcast. Uh, at gmail.com for people to touch base with us. Um, we are now officially in iTunes. Woohoo! Woohoo! That's right. right. We'll, uh, we'll be uploading the second podcast once it's done, and we'll have two whole podcasts. Uh, how was your week?
1: Uh, my week was good. I just came off doing an AEA e-study on effective reporting for evaluators, and apparently we, I, we broke a registration record for, uh, for their e-studies. There was 109 people which, um, the questions were coming pretty fast and furious and comments. So I'm glad Stephanie Evergreen was there to help moderate because, um, good questions, really good questions, really good points. And, um, and now I realize that you and I are just going to talk about reporting in general
0: this yeah. week as well, eh? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I think that's a great segue. Um, you know, you and I have talked about reporting, uh, valuation, um, you know, certainly, Folks like, uh, I'll say my guru, somehow I avoided mentioning him even once last week, I had to restrain myself. (laughs) But Michael Compattens, I think he said in his uh, last utilization uh, book, volume four, how do we avoid producing reports that gather dust on bookshelves, unread and unused?
1: Yeah, no kidding. And you know, I always think to a study he did very informally, I actually emailed him to to get the uh, the citation for it, but it turns out it was just an informal um, survey that he did, looking at the percentage of an evaluation budget or an evaluator's time that is put towards writing a final report, and it was a shocking twenty-five to thirty percent.
0: That's a big—that's that's a big chunk of change.
1: That's a huge chunk of change, and when you think that evaluation budgets are limited already, that is money that could be spent on more interviews I mean more data collection in general you could do more focus groups you could expand your survey to other uh, target groups or populations or even just uh, you know typically there's not a lot of money in an in evaluation budget for communicating the results but think you could do you'd have money to do public forums or all those things you wanted to do and not to mention the fact that I don't know about you but I, and here's my dirty little secret, James. I hate writing final reports. I can't stand it. I love everything else. I love the logic model, the evaluation framework. You know, I love collecting the data. And, you know, I really like the analysis as well. But when it comes down to facing that blank page and writing the report, I can't stand it.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, I think that's a common uh, water cooler conversation at these evaluation conferences. I, I, I think I've definitely gotten my initial gray hairs from writing long evaluation reports but I'm one of those people that enjoys the writing process um, I liked it when I was a sort of a science uh, major researcher type and you know publishing in journals uh, wasn't my favorite but I enjoy the writing process itself and I'm fortunate that um, there's definitely some of my colleagues um, that I've worked with who also enjoy it but I confess um, the biggest principle that I that I'm trying to you know have us used to guide our work when I work with customers is what's going to be useful. Mm. And I really do um, worry uh and often have good evidence to suggest that really long reports or some traditional reporting styles have not been useful. Yeah. That's what I worry about. Um, but you know, I think like you there's times where I dread or I procrastinate um, uh and uh, we've really tried to play around with different formats and and also try and really take a fresh look um, at what evaluation reporting can include. And I wonder maybe, do you want to talk a bit about the, our traditional heritage when it comes to evaluation reporting? Should we talk a bit about that? The, the you mean like, work- like,
1: like, like our Canadian heritage? Spencer, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's not the hinterland who's who evaluation <laughs> reports. Okay. There won't be a beaver, you know, that starts with a beaver <laughs> gnawing right. on a tree. <laughs> the tree falls over; it's turned into paper.
1: Northern woodchuck likes too. That's yeah. right. Right.
0: Well, no, um, I was thinking how so many of us have followed things like the American Psychological Association, the standard of an abstract, an introduction, right. the methods, right. you know, and in a corporate culture, it's you know the executive summary, um, right. and so on and so forth. Is that is that something you started with when you first did your reporting?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and uh, I just want to jump back to something that, that you you talked about, you know, about how they, they sit on the shelf. And one of the things that I, I do a bit of is strategic planning, like a, a lot of kind of other consultants. And it's not really always my favorite thing to do. But whenever I'm getting prepped to go in and do strategic planning, I'm always asking this group, okay, now, do you have any recent evaluations that uh, we should be looking at? And they'll always right. say, why? I think, well, what do you mean why? The findings... It, why do we do evaluation? It's for informed decision-making. And um, and so people are often sitting around the table doing the strategic planning, which is decision-making about how you're moving forward, but you don't see the evaluation results used anywhere. And, and so, um, yeah, yeah, big, big, big concern. But um, uh, uh, you were talking about the, the, the traditional kind of format. So I'm definitely... Mm guilty guilty of this and then um a while ago i read the great article by jane davidson on unlearning some of our social scientist habits Mm. and uh we'll put a link up on our on the adventures and evaluation website for that but she makes this great point that why do we why do we structure our final reports like a journal article or like you said some kind of corporate um missive when, if we want uptake of the findings, if we want, you know, our recommendations acted on and, and she talks about having actionable answers and, um, she says why do we use as our headers in our evaluation final report why are we not using the actual evaluation questions that were asked right. so so typically we have introduction or background evaluation scope methodology results conclusions recommendations right and 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 also and this is what i was also guilty of under under results we would say these are the results from the interviews these are from the focus groups these are from the the, the surveys and and it really it was up to the reader to kind of answer their their own evaluation questions, she says, why don't we just put it right out there? Our headers are the specific questions, followed by the answers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's actually, um, I think, probably the most common way. Uh, we, uh, you know, again, um, you know, you're an external evaluator. I'm an internal evaluator. We're slightly different contexts. But with um, the regional health authority I work with, most of the time, that's how we structure reports, But how we present them, whether it's four pages, a one pager, 98 pages, or a multitude of different styles of reports, we've really um, tried to wrap them around the questions because that's really what drove everything. That's what drove what the data collection and the methods were that were selected that tended to drive um, what was going to be the eventual use, we hope, for uh, the actual report. But um, if I can steal a page from another uh, domain, the knowledge translation and exchange field, we've really um, tried to base some of our work around uh, folks such as John Lavis. And you'll be familiar with these kind of questions. But when we meet with folks right off the top and we say we're going to do an evaluation, what are your reporting needs, interests? Let's show you some of the kind of work we do. You can kind of pick and choose and tell us what style or styles you need. But we'll really actually try and uh, make as part of the evaluation plan um, uh, fill out a a framework that asks what's the message Uh uh, that that you'll want. And we'll certainly go back to this once we actually have findings. What are the messages? What's the message? What are the messages? Who is the audience? Uh, Who is the messenger? What is the transfer exchange method? And what is expected outcome? Uh And when we do that, we often lean away from these long bloated reports. We might still need one of those, but we start talking about presentations. Uh, we start talking about uh, handouts for 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 an executive group. Um, you know, interactive uh, discussions. It's it's not just um, uh, limited to one long report.
1: Yeah, and I've I found that um, I will actually go to clients being an external evaluator. And I'll, I'll tell them this Michael Quinn finding about the 25, 30 percent of the time. And I'll say, you know, I'm quite happy to produce you a traditional final report. Um, but you're lying. You're really lying.
0: I you're, you're but really, I'm lying
1: through my really teeth. don't want to do that.
0: You're, you're crossing <laughs> your fingers under the table saying, please, please don't say yes.
1: I wish I could outsource that. But um, uh, but but uh, but I'm perfect. I'm also. Able to provide you with a two-page summary or all of these other options, and right now I, it's about fifty percent oh, of some my people clients. are
0: taking up on that. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely, and I, I um, and it's quite interesting. For example, um, a large corporate organization said, "You know, our board is really busy. They're not going to read this uh, if you produce a large report. So yeah, let's give us two pages." I can think about one, too, where it was um, an evaluation where the the results were particularly damning, if I might say. Mm -hmm. And uh, that organization, when I gave them the option, they just leapt on it. Um, And, you know, in some ways that was kind of, uh, you know, I had to be careful that I didn't bury too much of what was a problem because they clearly took... Uh, it for that reason, right? So there was a little bit of a dilemma there. Yeah, actually,
0: I've had a a similar experience, um, but both I and the customer, you know, we talked about the ethics of evaluation, the standards we're setting, the importance of learning as well as accountability. And really what we arrived at there was that the information that um, perhaps wasn't damning, but that uh, required attention was for their group's attention. It wasn't going to actually be useful to air and it was probably going to be a distracting uh factor in conversation and uh we ran it by you know one senior person i said yeah that there's that that's not needed what we need for our purposes to help make a certain decision with you is uh is to answer these we'll say three questions in you know very short order and a very short report yeah so it was published for the team um, in a long report, a technical report that they use, but there are different kinds of reports that we, we share with different stakeholders, no doubt about it.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know one of the nicest two-pagers that I've seen was produced by, by your department and, uh, it was, uh, health related. Mm -hmm. And now that, that two-pager that got shipped out to a graphics, design department or something?
0: We've actually had very little graphic design uh, support. We've linked, and because we're an internal evaluation group, we have the benefits of a large organization, has a communications department that does have some graphic skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, um, it, was, uh, it, it was a report that I think was borne by the same kind of complaint. Uh, physicians in our case said, you know, thanks for the long report. <laughs> and actually, thanks for doing in, in what Canadians will uh, know as the CHSRF format, the 1, 3, and 25, sort of a one-pager for those who are busy, three pages for an executive summary if you want more details, and then 25 pages, we'll say, for the technical report. They got all that, but the physician said, I just, I can't bear to pick it up. I can't bear to look beyond the title page yeah, and the table of contents, so... Give me a two pager or a four pager at most and make sure it's got, you know, it's eye catching, it leads uh, the reader and it has data. They wanted data in there, but they also wanted uh, quantitative and qualitative data. So, um, you know, it's a lot of design and -hmm. I think what you're, you know, I'm interested in your experience if you've worked with graphic designers as well. We often don't have to firm it out, but in some cases we do get their opinions.
1: Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I have to say that I really, um, I don't like writing long reports, but I sure love distilling my study into into a two-pager or a one-pager. I love that process. And, um, you know, I think about it as the elevator speech. Right. That I'm about to get on, I'm in, I'm in a large um, office building, I'm getting in on the ground floor with Bill Gates, and I've got to the 23rd floor to tell him about the outcomes of some of some program or something so that he's going to fund it. And I, I just, I really like the challenge of doing that. Um, I also, yeah.
0: Well, I was just going to say, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the other styles we've talked about written reports.
1: Okay. Well, um, you know, we, presentations obviously is, is, is a big thing. And there's been a real revolution in PowerPoint And if you you know, if people aren't aware of this, they better get on the bandwagon quick because it really is. And I'm pleased to say that uh, one of the divas of PowerPoint, Stephanie Evergreen from the American Evaluation Association, is going to be our guest on our next podcast. And so she's going to talk to us about an initiative that the AA is starting around potent presentations and trying to just have some more effective conference presentations. So... um, Uh, There's that whole area of better PowerPoint. And have I ever told you my PowerPoint story about being on the bus? I don't think so. Okay, so I'm taking the bus. I'm taking the bus home, the commuter bus home from the city, and I'm looking over the shoulder of this woman sitting next to me and reading this and looking at this book. And I realize she's reading a book about PowerPoint. So I look a little bit more closely, and I look at a couple of these slides as she's flipping the pages, and the penny drops, and I realize, oh my gosh. I've been doing, I've been guilty of doing the worst PowerPoint ever. And the book was called Presentation Zen by Gary Reynolds. Right. So I went, went home, got it out of the library, read it in two hours. It's the kind of book where you don't even need to read the text. You just look at the pictures and you get it, you get it. And so then I showed it to my husband, Mike, and I said, Mike, you got to look at this book. It's, it's incredible. And he took a glance through it, flipped through some of the pages and looked at me and said, I can't look at this book right now, Kylie. I've got to do a presentation tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I, I don't have time to change my slides. I don't even want to know this book exists. Right. But he couldn't help it, right? <laughs> Flipped some more through the book and later on said, why did you show me that book? Now I have to go give this horrible, horrible presentation.
0: So did so, he change his slides? No, he
1: didn't have time. It was 10 o'clock at night, the poor guy. So, so you,
0: you planted the seed of doubt, but it, it probably... Uh, bore good fruit in his next presentation.
1: Well, you know what often happens is is I when I give you know my face to face workshop on effective reporting for evaluators at AEA conferences, and it's always like the day before the conference starts, and after the workshop, people come up to me and say, "Thanks a lot." I'm going to be up until two o'clock tonight fixing my slides for my presentation tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm not always that that. Uh, yeah.
0: So so one of the benefits for our audience is obviously you've. Um, You've given a lot of instruction, and so you've probably um, also researched and heard about a lot of other different uh, presentations. What are some of the other uh, maybe wilder forms of, of reporting that you've heard about?
1: Well, yeah, we always do a brainstorming in these sessions, and um, the stuff that comes out is is great. And there's always the things like social media and Twitter and um, e- email, but formatted email newsletters and. Uh, it's funny if you if you hold people hostage in brainstorming for more than 35 minutes, then really creative kind of stuff starts to come out. So then, somebody always makes a joke about interpretive dance, right,
0: but, right,
1: <laughs> you know, quilts and things like that. But I'll tell you, it was at an a conference, and I think it was in Atlanta, 2004, maybe. I w- I went to a workshop put on by Hallie Prescoll. And those of you who know Hallie, she's no slouch in evaluation. She's past president of the AEA, and she put on a workshop on um, innovative reporting techniques. And she was talking about things like drama and uh, you know music and video and all of those things that are kind of considered out there for our for our you know rigorous standard evaluators. Um, but you'll know Hallie's not Hallie's not a flake, and 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 it's really. I know if you work at the CDC, people aren't going to take you seriously if you, if you propose doing an interpretive dance. But I think our point about evaluation is that the traditional report just isn't cutting it anymore if you're truly concerned about utilization.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. I think we still have customers who want the full report, but they almost always, uh, if they're that committed to using you know all the details, they also realize there's an information or knowledge exchange and reporting uh, to so many different groups that we have to take other approaches. I have to say, um, one of the uh, training sessions that I've run with a colleague of mine in our organization uh, uh, sort of guides teams on the side to do their own evaluation, and by the end, they present their findings. And last year, we actually had one of the teams commit and fully perform in a series of costumes and interpretive, uh, and dramatic play. Uh, I think a couple of people on the team were uh, really uncomfortable, uh, but uh, by the end it was certainly uh, what woke everybody up in the afternoon. I, I think that the key that I usually try and guide folks in this um, is that you know we have to try and think out of the box when it comes to reporting, but we always have to think about, and this is again one of our evaluation competencies is uh, figuring out what the situation is, mm-hmm. what the situation calls for with our customers and what's appropriate to the culture right so um, I I think you and I've talked a bit about this too is how do you how do you explore open up other options for customers that might not be familiar with anything other than the long report
1: yeah and you know I was actually gonna ask you about your experience moving or introducing these alternatives to for example senior executives who are who are used to the traditional report, and I often get get questions from people saying, "I work in an organization that's overly academic, and they're just going to laugh at this. They're, they 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 they're even prescriptive about how we do our powerpoints. How do we make this change?" And and so, I mean, the only thing that I can really suggest is instead of kind of dishing away with the traditional report, think about things that you can introduce. Um, in addition to it, and test the waters. So, for example, instead of going to a manager and saying, well, I'd like to do a two-pager, and having them nix that idea, maybe actually preparing the two-pager, have something tangible that they could look at, something that's nicely formatted, and they can see, oh, this actually isn't isn't so bad. Yeah. But I, w- what has been your experience?
0: I I, I totally agree. <laughs> that's the approach we've taken. We've actually gone ahead and just done it and a couple of cases. And when we have a credible report and we're able to say, here's the long report and it's different parts, which also have shorter, um, you know, half page executive summaries. Um, here's the, in our case, our, our, our organization's briefing note, a summary version. Here's the presentation we gave to senior executives. We have lots of examples of the same evaluation Uh, But we also showed them the two or the four pagers. And uh, recently what uh, someone else has done, and this is is kind of old, but it's a little bit more accessible than it used to be when I was in grad school, is just today walked by in our hallway an example where the team took the lead on the evaluation report we'd done together in a participatory style, and they'd done a poster. Oh, great. And they put it up right in the front hall of the uh, corporate building that we work in for everybody to see. And so there are so many different ways to package it. I think uh, what I've been most impressed by is, is how some of these teams themselves, if and I don't want to say give them the or lead them to believe it's their idea, but ask them, what are some other ways? Do the brainstorming with them and find out, you know, get them involved in the process and find out if they're prepared uh, to test the waters with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're working with a, a group of asthma service providers, they're going to know their field much better. And they'll say, oh, the best thing to do is put it out on asthma net or, or whatever, something that uh, I think you're right. Um, I also wanted to, well, I wanted to say you talked about the poster in the hall. I've actually done a little one page kind of eight and a half by 11 poster. Very, very simple. And I put it up in the back of the bathroom stalls. And oh, we'll wow. Talk about about having a captive audience. I know that won't work <laughs> for everybody, but you, you raised a really important point, James, about um, the layering and how you've got the, the traditional report, but then you've got the two to four page summary, and then you've got something smaller. And, and what makes it all work is that there's a link so that people can read the one pager if their appetite is there for more information, then they can jump to the next one. And then there's a link from that two to four pager of where they can find the more detailed one. And so then you allow people to go as shallow or as deep into the findings as they want. So the busy executive, as long as that one pager has ha, is succinct and has that information that they need to act on it, then it's up to them whether they're gonna go back into it or not. I love the idea of, of distilling it down to these key messages, because research shows that people need to hear a message five to seven times before they can actually internalize it. And when you think about when a lot of our evaluation findings are produced, it doesn't always coincide with the decision-making cycle. So so results come out maybe in March, but it may be November before people are making funding or budget decisions, and so I'm always thinking how can we make these sticky so that when the time comes, that executive or that manager is going to remember some of the salient points from that evaluation so that right. they can use that in their informed decision-making. And, it, and it, it, it also just kind of taps into our creative side as mm-hmm. evaluators as well.
0: You know, you remind me of another uh, comment that, uh, at a session with uh, Michael Quimpatton. Okay, we dropped his name at least three times. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> he'll be chuckling somewhere um, but I think one of the points that I'd heard him make uh, recently was that there's there's more interest now in making sure evaluation is not the report yeah. and in fact evaluation of course is is you know you and I both know is a process like a lot of things in life but that reporting is part of the process that can happen at any number of times it happens in a hallway in a verbal way at times to warm up a group it happens when you present some of the raw data, when you explore it together, there's any number of moments and that we as evaluators need to not just put it at the end of the, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the work flow diagram for we'll report here at the end and we're done. And I think similarly, there's sometimes reporting at least um, um, for internal evaluators that comes long after you thought you were done. Someone takes a new interest in it, they want to uh, look a little bit more closely at something, you either might do an addendum to a big report, or they might ask you to slice some data a little bit differently. So reporting is something that can happen at any number of points in the evaluation process. And that's something I really uh, took a couple of years to realize, that the actual actual teachable moments or key decision moments uh, happen anywhere. And and last uh, sort of thought on that, I think, Uh, Michael tells a story where I think he was working on a contract and doing an evaluation that was going to be due, we'll say a year from now, when really something wasn't quite right and the program uh, had advised him that actually a decision was going to be made much sooner than that. And so the plan for when the big formal evaluation report was due was really irrelevant, that they needed to find a new way to convey their findings and quote unquote report out much sooner because that's when decisions were going to be made so in the reporting cycle we always try and really understand and we have to do a bit of digging as to how is this going to be used who wants to see it and and what are some of the big decisions that may be coming up so that we get our timing right
1: yeah 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 and you know what i think of a of a client that i had and i knew that they were going to, i knew it was going to be a challenge to get these results and and um It was going to be a challenge to get the results to them so we already did a two-pager and tried and tried and tried to get time at a board meeting and didn't it just it just wasn't happening and i realized that i it was up to me if i really wanted to see these results used i had to just keep keep pressuring and, and trying to get on there and it really wasn't until i got on that agenda it was easily six to eight months later when they got everybody in the room to listen to them, and I realize they're not. They might look at the two pager afterwards, but it was incumbent upon me. The report was done eight months ago, but it it was incumbent upon me as the evaluator to just kind of, how can I assist? Can I do this? I prepared a PowerPoint. I'm willing to come listen. I'll do an interpretive dance for you if you just pay attention to me. You know, give me five minutes of your attention. We're um, we're kind of coming to the end of our time, so. Uh, I'm just going to mention a couple of things that our listeners might want to know. So we will um, have Stephanie Evergreen on as a as one of our first podcast guests, and she's going to be talking to us a little bit about this potent presentations initiative that uh, the AEA is, is doing. And on our website, which is com, James, <laughs> where are cool.
0: we at? That's pretty close. So our website is adventuresinevaluation.podbean.com. That's where our uh, podcast is hosted. You can also find it on uh, iTunes, as we mentioned off the top. But on adventuresinevaluation.podbean.com, uh, you can put comments, um, you can contact us, and you can also read a little bit about uh, the podcast that we're uh, going to talk about, uh, some links uh, and information.
1: Yeah. And also I've been curating a board on Pinterest, those of you who are familiar with Pinterest. And this, so this is a board full of full of all sorts of resources around effective reporting and evaluation. So I'll put that link on the on the adventures evaluation dot podbean dot com site as well. And um if I'm allowed to just do a little shout out, I will be giving a one hour webinar on effective reporting for evalu- for evaluators in september so if people are interested in finding out about that i'll put that link on the podbean site as well that's great good
0: well kylie it's been it's been a great second week uh we we managed to stick with the same name and uh we'll look forward to our first guest shortly
1: that's right yeah stephanie's going to be great so so everybody have a have a great week and we'll uh see you soon in adventures and evaluation
0: for anybody who wants to also get in contact with us directly, you can email us at adventures evaluation podcast at gmail.com.